Tonight we'll look into Luke's Gospel, the 13th chapter, and I will read verses 6 through 9. Luke, chapter 13, verses 6 through 9. He spake also this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and came, sought fruit thereon, and found none. Then said he unto the dresser of his vineyard, Behold, these three years I come seeking fruit on this fig tree, and find none. Cut it down. Why cumbereth it the ground? And he answering said unto him, Lord, let it alone this year also, till I shall dig about it and dung it, and if it bear fruit, well, and if not, then after that thou shalt cut it down. The Lord spoke this parable after responding to some news that had been presented to him, most likely to entrap him. He was told that the Roman governor Pilate had killed a number of Jewish protesters. If the Lord did not speak out against this, he would be considered pro-Roman and disloyal to his people. If he had spoken against it, then he could be accused of being in conflict or against Rome, and the Jewish leaders then would use that to have him arrested. But our Lord answered this news with a question. He said, Suppose ye that these Galileans were sinners above all? And then to reinforce that, he cited another recent tragedy where the Tower of Siloam had collapsed, killing 18. And he asked again, Think ye that they were sinners above all men? Well, he answered those rhetorical questions with a great truth and a point that he wanted to make. He said, no, except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Here in their hearts, they had wondered if these people had died because they were sinners. They had it coming to them. But he let them know a much greater truth. No, someday uh, all of us will die. What's going to matter is what we have in our heart. Have we repented? Have we been saved? Are we ready for eternity? So it was in this context that he spoke the parable of the barren fig tree. To the people of that day, this was a very relatable example and had possibly been drawn from an actual event that had occurred during our Lord's sojourn on earth. He said it was a certain man who had planted that fig tree in a vineyard. This was a common practice in that day. Of course, they wanted to use 
uh, every inch of soil that they could of their land to produce something. And so this owner must have come at the right season, the right time, uh, that he would be expecting to be able to pick some figs and to enjoy them. Uh, I can relate to this. We have a fig tree in our yard. I planted it about seven years ago. Normally about this time of the year, I would be uh, starting to take the first figs off of that uh, fig tree. However, right before camp, I I noticed that it had all greened up. It had big fig leaves on it, but there were no figs. I was disappointed. I didn't really have time to pay any more attention to it. And then after camp, I noticed it had little figs all over it. And so we're expecting uh, later on, I, I guess the fruit season's running about a month behind, uh, but we're still expecting, Lord willing, that uh, we will enjoy figs. My family enjoys the figs that come off of, of that tree. So I can understand how disappointed this owner was to come. Not just that time, but this is the third successive year. Our Lord said that he came expecting uh, to get figs off of that tree. So that tree was perhaps about the same age as my tree, but still had never produced any fruit. Well, for somebody who was trying to be diligent and utilize everything that he had, he had a reaction, I think, no different than the reaction I would have had if I would have planted my fig tree, and by now I'd not gotten one fig off of it, I too would have wanted to dig that up and plant something else there. But worse than that, for him, that fig tree was also drinking up water and taking nutrients out of the soil and producing nothing. And so he sounded like a wise investor. No production, no upside to this. Why cumberth it the ground? Uh, Let's take it down and and plant something else there, something that would be productive. Again, that's what I would have done. I suppose that's what you would have done. And so this parable would have been easily understood by the listeners of that day. They also, being the Jewish nation, would have likely understood the spiritual aspect of it. They were God's chosen People and the fig tree often represented their nation. God was the owner. And so by implication, Jesus was the vine dresser. And the tree had not been producing. God, of course, had planted his chosen people literally in the center of the known world and expected them to influence the surrounding countries and the rest of the countries of the world for him. Isaiah 49, 6 says about the nation of Israel, I will also give thee for a light to the Gentiles that thou mayest be my salvation 
unto the end of the earth. Well, the fig tree had not produced. Israel had not been the productive nation that he wanted them to be. And more than that, they had even rejected the vine dresser, the Messiah, the Son of God. Well, Jesus is the great intercessor. Even in this parable, it is the dresser of the vineyard that pleads with the owner to give it one more chance. Let me prune the tree. Let me dig about it. Let me put some extra fertilizer, maybe put put some better soil around it. And then let's give it a chance and see what happens. Well, the parable of the barren fig tree that the Lord gave to those people, it also had a personal message to it for those that heard. Of course, John the Baptist, when he was out baptizing, he called for those that came to bring forth fruit, meat for repentance. That word meat means worthy or in keeping of. He was saying, I want to see evidence of your repentance. It comes with good fruit. Well, the people, the children of Israel, were in their season, a season that God was looking down upon them, expecting to find good fruit in their lives. And today I've been thinking about how our summertime in the apostolic faith church really almost mirrors our our fruit season. We look at our camp meetings and our youth camps as a time, as we've heard in testimony here this evening, where we expect to see new fruit and, and good growth. We expect to have a harvest, a harvest at camp meeting, another harvest at youth camp, another harvest at Midwest and throughout the world. It's a special time for us. It's, it's a, it's a privilege. It's, it's a time that we enjoy refreshing and revival as a church. The Lord has really given us, I believe as a organization, not just good soil, soil in his vineyard, planted us right in the middle of it. But with that comes a responsibility. We have a God of heaven that is looking then to have production, to have it produce good fruit. I read a story recently of a a young boy who, when he would get punished, he learned that he could get out of that, escape it by going out his window and climbing down an old fruit tree that was right by it. 
He would be able to go off and play with his buddies. But one day his, his father told him that I'm going to chop down that fruit tree. It hasn't produced any fruit for several years. I'm going to chop it down. Well, this young boy got one of his friends and they went out and got a, a barrel of apples and spent hours that night tying apples to those old branches. And when his father got up in the morning, he went to his wife and and said, Honey, it's, it's just absolutely amazing. That old fruit tree that hasn't produced anything in several years is just loaded with apples. He said the most astonishing thing about it is it's a pear tree. Well, God expects us to produce good fruit. But it's got to be the right fruit. can't be somebody else's fruit. It's got to be the real fruit. And it's got to be truly what he used in another example is connected to the vine. And in that sense, that fruit needs to be connected to the source. When we have that fruit, it it begins to produce good quality. Paul to the Galatians said that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. No law. You see, it's not instructions to follow. It's produced in the heart when we're born again. When Christ makes a transformation and we become what God has designed us to be, something to bring him pleasure, something to bring him honor, and something to bring him glory. So the fruit of the Spirit, it takes a genuine love of God being shed abroad in the heart. So again, for us in the apostolic faith, we're in that season. We're in that season that I believe that God is expecting us to produce good fruit. A couple of years ago, we had a, a summer, some may recall, where it just was much cooler than normal. It would kind of cycle between that and some rain and, and then it would seem like it was going to warm up. I know my fig tree was confused. It got fruit on it and it just didn't grow. It never matured. It never got to that place where it was going to ripen. And so we eventually had to pluck them off and throw them out at the end of the fall. Well, they, they really lacked the proper growing environment. But we don't lack that here. Again, we have a wonderful environment to prosper spiritually. In Luke chapter 8, he records the parable of the sower and the seed. 
The Lord said that the seed that fell among the thorns was choked with cares and riches and pleasures of this life. He then said, and bring no fruit to perfection or completion. Well, like the fruit of the fig tree that just kind of stops growing, so it is when we let the cares of this life or other priorities begin to to creep in or, or other pleasures that become more prominent in our time than having time to seek for our deeper experiences and and for direction, God's direction in our life. So God, he's looking for that good growth. More than that, he's expecting, like that owner that came, expecting to find fig trees. He had done everything that he could do. He had planted it in the right spot. And he had reason to expect that he would be able to uh, then be able to, to get from that fig tree. We want to make sure that, that we take the time, first of all, to get the message that he was getting across. And that's, if you're not saved, you need to repent. You need to take the time to come before the Lord and, and tell him that you're sorry for your sins and ask you to forgive you and come into your heart. Why then you're attached to the vine. But from there you, you don't want to become stunted. No, the the Lord wants you to keep growing in his grace, to keep seeking him. He wants to bring you to that same word, perfection or completion. He wants you to receive all of his blessings, all of his promises. He wants you to grow so that when he comes at the end of a, a season in the apostolic faith, He's pleased that that there's another bumper crop. I know that that's what we're praying for. That's what we're praying for for the youth camp. We want to see souls saved. We want to see souls entirely sanctified, filled with the Holy Spirit, transformed in such a way that they put their feet down upon the rock Christ Jesus and have a determination to be like Brother Earl and Sister Sylvia. And just enjoy the gospel and the life that it gives you. Well, the Lord wants to do that for us. Like Sister Emily said, we get saved and it's just one moment at a time, one hour at a time, one day at a time. But you serve the Lord and it turns out to be a lifetime of blessing. And God wants to bless you tonight. We're going to have a season of prayer now. The altars are open. Come before the Lord. Say, Lord, inspect my heart. Inspect me like the owner did of that fig tree. I want you to find good fruit in it. God bless you. The song's 482.